The sermon you are about to hear was given at Pillar Bible Fellowship in Hood River, Oregon. Pillar Bible Fellowship exists to glorify God by knowing Christ more fully and making Christ more fully known. Email any comments or questions about the sermon to feedback at pillarhoodriver.org. You can find more information about Pillar Bible Fellowship online at www.pillarhoodriver.org. Please enjoy the podcast. Do you guys join me in prayer one more time before we begin? And Father, we, we do um, come to that time and place where um, we... We sit under the preaching of your word. And um, this morning, I just I thought of the, the quote, I believe, I, I believe C.S. Lewis, maybe I'm wrong, probably wrong, but he comes to mind. But he's, the quote is, um, it's not the, the words of the Bible that I don't understand that trouble me, um, but the ones that I do. And I understand what is behind what he says there, because there is um, there is promises, there is truths, there is revelations of who you are that are so um, incredibly um, overwhelming. Um, and what they speak to our Creator God and our desperate um, place apart from you. And, uh, and I pray, God, as we, we come to your word this morning, your word that we believe has absolute authority and absolute truth, um, that we would have attentive ears, hearing your voice, though these things <clears throat> do trouble us at times, but there would be a rejoicing also that is present in it, for those two dwell together, that trembling fear, that reverence, that awe of the, the God most high in whom, in whom we worship and whom has saved us, and that rejoicing, God, that we are brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. So help us, Father, as human beings, as image bearers, help us hear from you this morning, that we need to hear uh, from our Father. We need the nourishment to our souls of your life-giving truth. Um, So I ask um, for your help, God, that you would be pleased to show abundant mercy and grace and uh, to use me as a vessel as I stand here and and from my heart preach um, your word. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Good morning. Good to see you guys. (laughs) Well, Genesis chapter 27. Likely to all hear a very familiar story of how Jacob, by help of his mother, tricked his dad into giving him the blessing instead of to his older brother, Esau. And I read through this chapter a number of times while pondering, Lord, how do you want me to preach through this? Obviously joking, not word for word. So just like, how do you want me to preach through this? Like, what is, what is the heart of it that opens up to us to see Christ revealed? And I found myself, as often the case, going to a movie scene that pictured how I felt. Are there any Indiana Jones fans in the house? Okay, I got some hands up. All right, yes. Raiders of the Lost Ark, the Temple of Doom, the Last Crusade. My least favorite of that series was the Temple of Doom. I think everyone shares that. But I found myself, I found myself picturing, as I'm sorting through this passage, I found myself picturing the bug scene. Do you guys remember the bug scene? 
Indy and the kid with him, who goes by the name Shorty, which just has that adorable voice. You know, he's that Goonies character guy, but Shorty's with him. And they are in that room in which the spikes are closing in from the floor and the ceiling. Time is short, and the lady friend outside the room, her name is Willie, she must locate the door lever, do you remember this, to rescue them. And as she approaches this room, she discovers that there are bugs, big, creepy bugs everywhere. I mean, absolutely everywhere. And they begin to crawl all over her. Meanwhile, the room and the spikes continue to close in on Indy and Shorty, who are pleading with her, pleading with her to to find the lever and open the door. I mean, the, the classic line by Indy as spikes are pressing down his hat, and he's looking through the hole. He's like, we are going to die, you know? Just that desperate moment. <laughs> and I, I picture, I picture the heart of this passage as the lever Willie locates deep into this tunnel. Remember that? deep into this tunnel of the wall that is just loaded with griminess and bugs. Just absolutely like, ah. She cringingly, cringingly pushes through it all to grab hold of the lever and pull it open the room. Pull it to open the room and rescue Indy and Shorty. Well, this narrative storyline or this narrative story is grimy. It's just grimy, just filled with all sorts of ugliness by all the characters involved. Isaac, Esau, Rebecca, and Jacob. All of them. All of them contribute to the cluster of a mess present here. This family is every bit of dysfunctional. We see deceit heavy deceit, even, even the premeditated type, right? Not in the moment. How do I get myself out of this? But like extensive planning underway. There is outright disregard of the Lord. There is disrespect of husband. There is dishonoring of father. There is, there is discord strengthened between siblings by parents' influence of favoritism. Just a cluster of a grimy, sin-soaked mess in which we need to dig through the ugliness of it to get a hold of the heart of the passage, the lever, if you will, to open up to us Christ revealed in it. The lever is, the heart of the passage is, the blessings of Christ belong to those who cherish the birthright of Christ. We'll draw from two outside passages as helpful lenses to look through in our examination of chapter 27 of Genesis, which holds the Christ-centered truth for us today of the blessings of Christ belong to those who cherish the birthright of Christ. So we won't, even as I jested, we won't be moving through this word for word or even line by line, as is our norm, but rather, through these two lenses, sort through the cluster of a sinful mess of a family to their own hurt and therefore warning for us to heed, sort through all of that to grab hold of some biblical truths to solidify deep in our hearts of how the blessings of Christ belong to those who cherish the birthright of Christ. The first lens, and therefore our first point being taken from Romans. Romans chapter 9, mostly. Several verses from this epistle written by Paul that speak to God's purpose of election. God's purpose of election. Romans 9, chapter 9, verses 11 through 13. You're welcome to turn there if you'd like. Romans chapter 9, 11 through 13. Though they, and this would be Esau and Jacob. That's the they. 
though they were not yet born and had done nothing good, nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she, Rebecca, was told the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. We saw this just two chapters ago in Genesis 25, verse 23. God's speaking to Rebecca. He says, two nations. Two nations are in your womb, and two people types, that's four, two people types from within you shall be divided. The one shall, serve, shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. The older shall serve the younger. God makes this promise to which Paul is referencing and emphasizing God's purpose of election. For after Paul quotes the prophet Malachi, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, which is, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. After he quotes Malachi there, he then continues in verse 16 of Romans 9. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Let's round this out with Romans 11, verse 32, which says, For God has consigned all to disobedience, that he may have mercy on all. It depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy, that God's purpose of election might continue. And we've seen this from the beginning of God's storyline of redemption. It's not, it's not man pursuing God, but rather God showing favor to man who has no basis to merit it. From early on in Genesis, God choosing to work through certain individuals to bring about what he promised in the garden after the fall. Genesis 3.15, God speaking to the servant, to the servant, to the serpent who deceived Eve. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Her offspring being Christ, the promised one, who would come to make right all that had gone wrong. He, Christ, will bruise your head. He'll put an end to you, Satan, while you, Satan, will bruise his heel. Christ will suffer. He will suffer and be put to death on a Roman cross. And God has been faithfully at work in his, in his creation, bringing this about. And being that man will ultimately fail on his own, it is dependent, therefore, upon God for it to be fulfilled. God's purpose of election. And this is played out pointedly here in chapter 27, isn't it? Excuse me, chapter 27, isn't it not? Like, like Isaac, more or less, outright, outright disregards God's promise made to his wife about the children in her womb. Isaac is acting in direct disobedience to God's word. Verses 1 through 4 reveal this plainly. Prepare for me, Isaac says to Esau. Prepare for me delicious foods such as I love and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Like, I, I'm old, says Isaac. Not sure when I'm going to die. It could be any day. So before I die, let's, let's work things out that my soul may bless you, the older. My firstborn, my favorite, right? My favorite. I want to bless you that my soul may bless you before I die. Could this be any more in direct disobedience to God's will? I do not believe so. God was plain. The older shall serve the younger. But God's purpose of election continues. We know the story. Esau does not get the blessing. He does not get the blessing as depicted in verses 5 through 29. 
by help of his mother and some extreme measures of deceit that include putting on a freshly killed goatskin, which, yuck. I mean, that's just weird. That's just absolutely weird. And not to mention, Jacob repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly lying outrightly to his dad's face. To his dad's face. And one lie in particular, seen in verse 20, included with it, because the Lord your God granted me success. I mean, all lies are an abomination to God. But including God in that way, that must reach a whole nother level of darkness on its own. And it was by these, by all these despicable acts of deceit, whereby Jacob dupes his dad and brother into receiving the blessing. Anyone here think Jacob merits God's blessing? Does Jacob deserve to be shown favor by God? To be loved by God? Do any one of us? Do we, prior to the Holy Spirit moving upon our hearts, do we give God any cause to be moved with feelings of love towards us? Do we merit Do we deserve, do we possess any commendable quality of our own that justifies a reward of commendation from God? That warrants favor from God towards us as if we are entitled to it. Let's go to the scriptures for the answer to these related questions starting with Paul's reference to Psalm 14 and Psalm 53 in Romans chapter 3, verse 9. He quotes those psalms in, that, in chapter 3, verse 9 of Romans. For we, Paul says, for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no Fear of God before their eyes. In short, Paul says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one seeks for God. No one merits favor from God. Let's add another layer. Among many passages that emphasize this truth of our depravity, which is really what it is talking about, our depravity, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And you, and this is Paul speaking to Christians, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in, once you, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. What about that depiction of every one of us would merit God's favor? Would cause God to love us as if we earned any thread of entitlement to his love? Nothing. Nothing. I don't see anything. God's word responds to this condition of our soul this way. 
God's word responds this way, picking up in verse 4 of Ephesians, all the way through verse 10. But God, but, but God, someone had to act, right? Someone had to act and man wasn't going to. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, I love that, in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, saved us, rescued us, showed abundant favor towards us by grace, grace, that unmerited favor from God. By grace, you have been saved. This is not your own doing. God's purpose of election. It depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. That God's purpose of election might continue. How does, how does Paul say it in Romans? A short distance down from saying, all have sinned and falls short of the glory of God. How does he say it there? No one seeks after God. No one merits favor from God. He then says this. He then says this in Romans 5, 6 through 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God, there it is again, right? But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, don't miss that, saints. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Did you hear that? Saved by God from the wrath of God is what that just said. For if while we were enemies, that's the word it uses, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? Because he is risen from the grave. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, right? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. God's purpose of election. It depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Okay, preacher. You've emphasized this point. God's purpose of election. Jacob I loved, and Esau, but Esau I hated. Both men don't merit God's favor, but God's purpose of election continues. Jacob receives the blessing and not Esau. So how does this tie in to what you say is the heart of the passage? The blessings of Christ belong to those who cherish the birthright of Christ. How does it tie into that? I'm glad you asked. The other lens to peer through along with God's purpose of election 
is God's blessing obtained. Meaning, who gets the blessing? Well, didn't we just answer that? The elect obtain it? Yes. Yes, but, and this is a big but, but lest we fall into the error of fatalism, unless we fall into the error of fatalism and render ourselves indifferent to life and therefore void of life, it would do us well to peer intently through this lens as we finish our study of Genesis 27. God's blessing obtained. Turn Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, if you'd like. You don't, you're not required, but if you'd like, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read, I'm going to read a few verses from that chapter that give some insight into the narrative of Esau and Jacob. Hebrews chapter 12, we are looking at verses 12 through 17. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain. Now pay attention here. See to it that no one fails to obtain the what? The grace of God. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, which implies that one may fail to obtain the grace of God. Does it not? Grace being that unmerited favor of God toward us, By grace we are saved. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. This is critical to understand here. Notice the two, notice the two key things. Birthright and blessing. birthright and blessing that Esau, who failed to obtain the grace of God, notice how Esau relates to those two key things, starting with the birthright. As we just read from Hebrews, Esau sold his birthright for a single meal. You likely remember that account Genesis 25, just two chapters ago. Esau comes in from the field. He is exhausted and hungry, and he demands the stew his brother Jacob has made. And when Jacob said it would cost him his birthright, Esau doesn't flinch. He doesn't flinch, but but freely gives it up for that in-the-moment indulgence of a meal. I am about to die, Esau says. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob says, well, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and he drank and he rose and went his way. Thus, listen, thus Esau despised his birthright. Okay, that is key. That is key. Esau has made clear by his actions 
that he despised his birthright. Yet, afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent. Though he sought it, the blessing that is, that's the it. He sought it, though he sought it with tears. Another key point, Esau really wanted the blessing, despised the birthright, but wanted the blessing, which he didn't obtain. The narrative storyline of this account is seen in verses 30 through 41 of Genesis 27 here. Those passages share the details of that which yield the sad outcome for Esau. Verses 42 through 46, along with it, depict really just the mature state of ugliness of the dysfunctional state of their family due to all the sin present and the grief that it brings them, which really just should serve to us as a warning to heed. There's just a heap amount of do nots, right? I listed them from the beginning. A whole heap amount of do nots. They're not hidden there. But through this lens, that's kind of like going through, like through this lens, just getting through that mess, which we still can heed as warnings, but through that to the heart of it, this lens of God's blessing obtained, we have proper focus on how Esau wanted the blessing while disregarding, despising the birthright. If Esau, if Esau were here today, complaining, complaining about the outcome of this, one could say to him, you can't have your cake and eat it too. In other words, you can't live independent of God's rule of your life and have the blessing of being with him in heaven for all eternity. That's what it means when scripture says he found no chance to repent, though he sought it, the, the blessing, though he sought it with tears, while he despised his birthright. And you can't have the blessings of the promise without the birthright. And is, is not this what so many think today? Jesus is my savior. I'm forgiven. I am saved from the wrath to come. I have eternal life in him, but he is not my Lord. He is not my Lord. At least, at least their lives do not portray that at all. Listen, if, if you don't know and worship Jesus as Lord, then you don't know him as Savior. Jesus is Lord and Savior. They go together. Many unholy people like Esau want the blessing while despising the birthright. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 through 20, or 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you? whom you have from God, you are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Christ has purchased your birthright to be children of the promise and be counted, therefore, as the offspring of God. A born-again Christian's greatest comfort is knowing that their life is not their own. Listen, if, if you have no interest in belonging to God now, in this life now, what makes you think you will when you die? 
There's no flipping of a switch in your heart when you pass from this life into the next, in which, in which all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you enjoy God and delight in his word and, and to obey it from the heart where you are filled with wonder and awe at his majesty and are overcome with unceasing worship of his holy name when no hint of that by faith in Jesus was present at all while living at your days here on earth. Don't be fooled. The flipping of that switch in your heart takes place here and now in your response to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Where your sin is exposed, just the ugliness of it all, your heinous, grimy sin is plainly seen by you, where the wrath of God for your sin becomes pointedly clear and inescapable, and therefore forgiveness and reconciliation to God offered through Jesus Christ is the most wonderful news in all the world, and you run to God for this matchless gift and are filled with love for him who first loved you and delight to belong to him as your Lord and Savior, as being purchased by the precious blood of Jesus who died on the cross as a ransom for your sin and find no greater delight than to live a life obedient from the heart, obedient from the heart, to God, placing his word as a lamp unto your feet, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's the heart change. The flipping of that switch on your heart takes place here and now by faith, not after you die. If you have no interest in belonging to God now, what makes you think you will when you die? Answer, you won't. You won't. You will have died in your sins and forever suffer the consequences of that in hell. Well, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Esau sold his birthright for a single meal. He lived for in the moment indulgence with no attention to long-term matters. I mean, just, just listen to that again. The end of chapter 25 of, of Genesis. Listen to that again. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. And he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Went his way. His way. As in, not asking God, make me know the way that I should go. As the psalmist so often says in so many variety of ways, like, make me know, God, the way I should go. Your way, God, not mine. Your way. I joyfully surrender to your way. No. Esau. Esau and those whom repentance is not found like Esau insist on their own way. They go their own way with no thought to God's way as being that which directs their steps. Such a thought is foreign to them. They know nothing about it. They eat, they drink, they rise, they go their way. Thus, like Esau, they despise the birthright. Just, just in the moment pleasure with no thought to the value, the tremendous worth of the birthright. 
But when the blessing comes that belongs to the birthright, which is assuredly wanted, the blessing will not be found. In that day, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth by those who want the blessing, but disregard who despise the birthright through faith in Jesus to be an heir of the blessing. You got to be an heir of the blessing to receive it. Why does this occur? Which is a reasonable question. Why does this occur? Because there is a cost to discipleship. There is a cost to discipleship. There is, there is a cost to follow Jesus. Deny myself? Pursue holiness in the fear of God? Fight against temptation and sin? Be, be mocked? Be a minority? Be known as a Bible thumper? To not, to not fit into many, if not most, crowds? Like, that doesn't have appeal. Of what use is a birthright to me? I am about to die, Esau says. Of what use is a birthright to me? I am about to die. Doesn't Jesus call us to die? Swallow these words from our Lord. In Luke chapter 14, verses 26 through 33, and I emphasize cannot in these verses. If anyone comes to me, Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he is enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king? going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks, asks for terms of peace. So therefore, so therefore, if any, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Cherishing the birthright, cherishing the birthright is viewing that command of Jesus not as a burden, but rather a delight. Gladly bear your own cross, i.e. die to self. Gladly renounce all that you have. Die to self-preservation. Die to self-promotion. Die to self-love. Die to selfish gain. Die to self-seeking. Die to self-interest. Die to self. Like I hold nothing not even my own life. I hold none of it above belonging to Christ. I renounce it all that I may have him. This is pursued and delighted in by those who cherish the birthright. Failed at, yes, let's be honest, right? Failed at, but by God's help, by his grace, progressed in as we become more like Jesus, 
who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Cherish the birthright. Jacob did. Jacob did, right? Filthy, stinking sinner, just full of deceit and ugliness. But there is a cherishing of the birthright underway, wasn't there? He recognized its worth, its tremendous value. He saw it. He sought to have it. And ultimately, as the story continues, he wrestles with God, right? He's, he's, in, he's in closest God wrestling all night and is blessed by God in the end. Like there's more of a story here. God's grace continues to be working in his life and he's wrestling out. He's working out his own salvation with fear and trembling, right? That's what's happening there. And we'll get there in the coming weeks. God promises that if you seek him with all your heart, he will be found by you. Now, we don't, we don't seek to know if we're of the elect. We don't, that's not what we're seeking. We seek him as his word instructs us, and he'll reveal himself to you, affirming that you are of the elect. And it's in this way, it's in this way that you become that the more you become to understand election, the more your heart is humbled before God and overwhelmed by his grace towards you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us, he, God, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power, not our own, we would fail, but by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The blessing of the birthright of being a child of God. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, him, Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right, Jesus gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Born of God, born into the birthright of the only begotten Son of God, Son of the promise, Jesus Christ the righteous, through whom all blessings come. Being born of God, the children of the promise are counted as offspring, meaning those born into the birthright of the only begotten Son of God, the, pro- the Son of the promise. Jesus, you know, adopted sons and daughters of God and fellow heirs with Christ through faith in him. Those who cherish this birthright, that's the birthright. Those who cherish this birthright of Christ obtain the blessing of Christ. They are counted as offspring. The blessings of Christ belong to those who cherish the birthright of Christ. Would you pray with me again? Father, as we come to the close of of the preaching of your word, Father, we are humbled by you. We, We desire God to truly have lives that reflect a cherishing of the birthright, that obedience from the heart, that we are overwhelmed with adoration and thankfulness towards you because of, the, because of the great love with which you loved us. Us who are unlovable, who do not merit 
your favor. Yet it pleased you to reveal your son to us. And Father, rightly understanding these these such doctrines motivates not only obedience to you from the heart, but also um, testifying to you, bearing witness to Christ. For we recognize that it is through his name, there's no other name in heaven and earth by which man is saved. It is through the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, through the message of the cross, that Jesus, you laid down your life. You bore the sin of the world. You absorbed the wrath of God. Even as we read this morning, saved from the wrath of God by God. It is that message. Father, that does Awaken sinners to repentance, to recognize the birthright of Christ, to be belonging to him as purchased by his blood as the most wonderful thing in all the earth. For every precious promise of yours is ours as heirs with Christ through faith in him. And so I pray, Father, as this passage is considered this morning and throughout the day, that we do ponder your grace, your kindness, even as Paul wrote in Ephesians, that in the coming ages he might show forth the riches of his kindness and grace towards us. Father, you are God of heaven, Jesus, you are king, you are risen. And our aim is to bring glory to your name. In response to this great gospel that has saved us. So by your grace, by your favor, by your kindness, help us in our lives. Do that each and every day in the small things. Help us to hide ourselves as we count the cost. Those words, those very weighty words of Jesus, our Lord, help us take them seriously. Help us see each day how that is done. And oftentimes, it's, it's just the very small, small things. Small dying to self. And however that is expressed, however that is is, is worked out. Help us recognize those and choose the way of Christ. Not our own way, but choose the way of Christ to die to self and to feel, to experience the liberation, the freedom that that brings as a child of God. I thank you. I thank you for your church. I thank you for your love. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Pillar Bible Fellowship. Please email any comments or questions about the sermon to feedback at pillarhoodriver.org.